welcome to Disputes and Perspective. I'm Doug Cherry, a partner in the Disputes team at Reed Smith. This podcast series will discuss disputes-related trends, hot topics and developments occurring in the global legal landscape, and hopefully provide you with some helpful insights and practical tips. If you have any questions about any of the episodes, please feel free to contact our speakers. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We're Reed Smith's biometrics litigation team here to discuss key and hot topics in this ever-evolving space. My name is Ginevra Bentry, and I'm a partner at Reed Smith. I specialize in the defense of complex individual and class actions in the consumer and financial services space. And my name is Mike Galabois. I'm a partner in the biometrics team situated in Chicago, and I specialize in complex litigation, both business-to-business litigation and consumer class actions, uh, specifically involving biometrics. And hi, I'm Nats. I'm aware I'm a senior associate at Reed Smith's New York office, and I work closely with Ginevra and Mike on this biometrics team and do the same things that they do. All right. So let's start at the beginning here for folks who might not be as familiar with biometrics and biometrics data. So Mike, what is biometric data? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And often people are, are a bit confused. And, and to give the short answer, it all, it all depends on where you're, where you're sitting. Some states and some municipalities, they, they all have different defin- definitions for what constitutes biometric data. Generally speaking, biometric data constitutes any sort of data that can identify a specific individual based on that data. And that's at a very high level. Then uh, statutes and ordinances then drill down and then get, and give specific examples of what constitutes biometric data for purposes of their laws or statutes or ordinances. For example, biometric data, as many people might might presume is a fingerprint, handprint, any sort of biometric scan of a physical feature of their body. That, that often is what would constitute a piece of biometric data. But beyond that, some states go a bit further and they will uh, say something like someone's personal gait, their walk, their stride, their typing, their keystrokes. Also, anything that identifies them almost outside their, their uh, biometric features, but maybe their behavior can also constitute biometric data. So it's really important when you're considering what constitutes biometric data to understand where you are and how it's defined in that specific jurisdiction. And Mike, um, that's extremely helpful to get some background on that. You know, the next kind of natural question, I think that flows from that is how is biometric data used? Yeah, increasingly used by by and more and more uh, by more and more companies and individuals in increasing differently different ways. Often it started, I think, mostly as for for many businesses as a way for security to ensure whomever is accessing either a physical space or a virtual space that that person was who they should be and and authorized to for entry. I think beyond that, then companies got creative and saw opportunities to make it uh, kind of a cool feature in ever, any product launches they were, they were making. So you see them in consumer products now all the time, whether they be you know, cars, you know, unlocking and locking cars or access to cars, physical locks, featured locks, whether it's, again, our, our iPhones, right? Uh, things of that nature getting into the office and trying to get a turn on your computer. Sometimes, you know, you may be, you might face a facial scan or, or a finger scan. That's very, very, very frequent. 
in med in the medical field, you know, accessing drugs and that are in secure sites often requires a medical professional to, to produce a biometric feature of theirs to verify who, who it is. But we're seeing it now on a daily basis, um, I think more and more both in the consumer world and the business world. And I would add on to that, that uh, interesting way to think about it too is tracking attendance of employees, which is something that's kind of surprising, right? So if you clock in and out of work and there's facial recognition or fingerprint or whatever it may be, that's also a way if you're employer tracking your attendance. Yeah, that, that's that's a great point, and that's where we've seen a lot of litigation. Absolutely. Now, you know, the advantages one could see would be again tracking employee attendance, the coming and going. You know, a unique ID when you're you know trying to open your iPhone, so you don't need to remember your password as much or forget your password as much. <laughs> Maybe in my <laughs> case, but let's talk a little bit about the advantages and, and disadvantages in more detail of using biometric data. Natsai, what are some advantages that you see besides the one you, you flagged about, you know, tracking employee attendance and presence? Sure. So the clear cut one is convenience, right? And I'm too, I'm guilty. I don't know what my passwords are. I use my facial recognition. When with masks, that was a whole drama, but that is actually a really easy part of it for a consumer. It makes things easier to access. I think uh, to Mike's earlier point in terms of security, uh, if it's your particular facial pattern, your fingerprint, your gait, that's something that's personal to you. So that creates a lot more security and accuracy in terms of access to information or places or whatever it may be. Something also helpful is centralization of information. So that basically will come up in the employment context. So you know, not to make it creepy, but if they're tracking employee hours, that is something that's centralized, right? So it's all of the data stored in one place, or if it's something related to consumer devices. The other part of this is also just a cool factor, right? So I remember the days of a BlackBerry, and I love my BlackBerry, but it wasn't as cool, right? I don't have the facial recognition. I don't have the thumbprint. I guess I don't know who still has a thumbprint, so that might be a different issue, but there is something cool about biometric technology as it's incorporated into devices. So it's something that's cutting edge technology that you're able to use in both your personal life and your professional life. And those would be some of the advantages that we can see. Mike, do you want to talk about how biometrics can all blow up in our faces and result in litigation? <laughs> so the disadvantages. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's the other side of the coin, right? I mean, the more privacy we give up, the more privacy we give up, right? So it's 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 a problem. Like, and what provides convenience also incurs some risk. Obviously, centralizing a bunch of data allows our lives to be easier. Allows someone to manage that data easier presumably, but you are giving up something very personal to you in that space. And what you're giving up can be used, uh, as we all know, and as there's been lots of litigation surrounding, can can compromise you in many ways for, for a lifetime almost. Uh, we cannot undo what our biometrics are. There are companies out there that sell biometrics where, where they're permitted to do it and also where they're not permitted to do it. So it, it, it is a very sensitive, very personal thing to to do. The other complication is even when companies want to do it the right way, it's not easy. They have, the law is not clear necessarily. There's some sort of aspirational standards, and I'm thinking more or less along the Illinois 
the law that talks about that companies are to maintain these, uh, if they collect biometrics, in an industry-reasonable way, effectively. The standard is very, very just vague. There's no specifics to it. And, and so what's a company to do, right? They, they, look, they look to their, their competition in the industry, or, and, and there may not be one standard that's been articulated or necessarily a clear one to follow. And then, and then how do you define who their industry is? If you're talking about, for example, you know, the restaurant industry that's collecting biometrics and there are devices that we've encountered that we've counseled on about collecting biometric data to know uh, your customers who come in and knowing what their preferences are and how frequent they come in and discounts and things of that nature. That sounds great. A national restaurant group may have a better, are they in the same industry as the mom and pop, right? The, the family restaurant down the street. Do they, should they be held to the same standard in terms of collecting and maintaining biometrics? Well, if I'm a, if I'm one of those customers, I, I want them to be held to the same standard, but really is it practical for them to do it and can they do it? So just, it is very difficult. The standards aren't clear. Companies that want to comply, it's not easy. And they're constantly, if you collect this data, you're subject to, as we all know, um, that each of us counsel on and deal with litigation by, you know, cyber attacks. Yeah. So even again, uh, you can have the best standards in place and still be subject to compromise. And the final thing I would say is that, you know, biometrics also, people don't think of it this way, but they change sometimes as we get older and they're not always 100% perfect. So, you know, they may reveal things about ourselves that necessarily we don't want to be considered uh, or want someone to consider as a factor when they're extending a loan to us or they're, you know, or whether we get a job or what, you know, so there's a whole host of reasons that these things, a whole host of uh, implications that, that biometrics raise. That's a natural segue into to one of my next questions for you, Mike, is what are we seeing in, you know, some trending issues in the space? We touched a little bit on the litigation that we're seeing almost on a daily basis, really, in Illinois and New York, but give us a brief overview of kind of the, the key trending issues you're seeing in the space. Yeah, and I'll raise one thing that Natsa brought up. It initially, is employment. I mean, it's it's I mean, biometrics are just there's companies pushing these products out daily about how to better screen hours, better screen for security, and uh, they're becoming more and more prevalent. I think that's something where we're always that, that's a trend that's just it's been going on for a couple of years now, and we're going to see a lot more of it. I think the other spaces are um, again. I, I think with with the with cameras being everywhere now, right? And and so you're seeing these sort of biometric spaces and product launches. And again, we from what's an interesting trend is is something that's real, not quite biometrics, but there's a lot of just privacy laws that suddenly are implicated that are designed like the biometric laws that we see every day that are either being proposed or actually are already enacted where there's, there's, a, there's a monetary fine there, or there's a private right of action. And then there's also the ability for for class actions, both in and outside the biometric area, the biometric laws are actually sending our models for other privacy laws that we're seeing that trigger that may implicate biometrics, may not, but may implicate definitely something personal. So I know that's kind of a little bit different from what we were talking about in terms of biometrics, but that's a trend we're seeing. I think we're seeing privacy laws modeled on biometric laws with the same sort of sanctions, the same sort of uh, subject to complex consumer class actions that, yeah. and that's going to continue to build. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, some of those, you know, if it becomes a class action, it's really is the large flavor of litigation in this space. I mean, they could have 
debilitating effects to a company's business, correct, in light of the statutory damages at issue? Yeah, I mean, 100%. And Natsai and I have, have spoken about that. I mean, it's you, you see these companies, I mean, everyone hears of the, you know, the bigger, larger settlements with Google and Facebook. But as Natsai and I, have, we've come across a, a host of companies that are certainly much smaller, certainly may not splash along the headlines, but we've had to counsel companies that, you know, in difficult situations that are facing, you know, incredible exposure in terms of their own little, their own platform. So yeah, it's very difficult. And I think one thing I would highlight here is that it really is the ingenuity to, for lack of a better way to describe it, of the plaintiff's bar, because some of the theories that would come up as what is a uh, violation of your biometric data, your privacy rights, some of them are kind of like out there and not things that you would necessarily think about, but they do create risk to a company. So for example, one that I always sort of find interesting is how you interact with a website, right? That's a privacy right, and that's something that a plaintiff's lawyer may believe rises to a class action. Or if you're trying on glasses and you're going through, you know, the display on a website or trying on lipstick and it's a virtual try-on, that's something that could implicate your biometric data and rise to the level of a class action. So got to give the plaintiff's bar some credit there, even though, I mean, it's not great for us, but right. It's, it's interesting the way they come up with some of these theories. That's, that's absolutely correct. And I, and I think one thing for many people to, it's easy to get caught up in this and you don't have to be the, you don't have to be the design developer of the technology, right? That it's, if you are, if you're white labeling the technology, if you're using the technology at all, like you, you can find yourself you can be caught up in litigation where you're producing documents that lead the trail to everyone who may have uh, at some point received your biometrics or arguably received your biometrics. So it's uh, it, it really does apply to to most organizations unless you're expressly exempted from the statute, which, again, you don't want to be in that fight, I don't think. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion, Mike and Natsai. Thanks so much for joining me and, and on to the next episode where we get into a little more detail on the regulations in this space. Disputes in Perspective is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's litigation and dispute resolution practice, please email disputesinperspective at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, and ReadSmith.com, and our social media accounts at ReadSmithLLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.